I'm Chelsea Fairless. And we're back, baby, in the same city. Thank God. I have come back to Los Angeles, but we are yet again recording remotely because... Because, and just like that, I got coronavirus. (laughs) I mean, as it turns out, what happens in Vegas does not always stay in Vegas, but I'm glad that I got Omicron doing something I love instead of like getting it from some random bitch at the supermarket you know yes like me who was waiting in line to take a pcr test today with a woman that was six inches behind me who revealed that oh yeah i got exposed so i'm having to get tested i'm like don't you think you should be a few feet away from me yeah everyone has covid right now but it's really anticlimactic having it because it is so mild like i'm vaxxed and boosted so it's really nothing to write home about but Now I'm annoyed that you didn't come to Vegas with us because we could have gotten COVID together and then recorded this in person as planned. Oh, that's right. Because if we're both sick, who cares? Exactly. You're kind of like Steve when Miranda gave him chlamydia and he's like, why do I have to get tested? Why can't we just pass it back and forth to each other? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I find myself in a very bizarre position because I was in Florida for two weeks Like, how did you not get COVID? I could have. We don't know. This is why I went to go get a PCR test today. I booked an appointment. I paid $150 to wait in line for 40 minutes to get to the front of the line and for them to be like, oh, actually, our system just went down and we're not doing any more tests today. Oh, that sucks. But like, you don't have to like test to go and do anything, do you? (sighs) This is the problem because I am talking to my friend, but it is a podcast that thousands of people listen to. Tens of thousands, actually, at this point. Thank you guys very much. Okay, what sus shit are you up to? I have a date Saturday night and I don't want to potentially give this date COVID (laughs) because I think that would probably not. Yeah, it might doom the relationship from the get go. Or maybe he's going to give COVID to you. Who knows? You know, but that's very thoughtful of you. Like, I feel like most people wouldn't put in the effort. You know me, Chell. I put in the effort, although I didn't get the test. So (laughs) so now do you not have enough time before your date? I don't know. They said it's supposed to come back in 12 <laughs> hours, so I guess I can go back tomorrow. Okay, okay. It's fine. It's fine then. Your your dick appointment is secured. Mom, dad, it's not a dick appointment. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem of having too supportive of parents. <laughs> they learn too much about us from this podcast. It's uncomfortable. On a related note to my COVID... <laughs> Because you love a minor illness. So how's your COVID going? I love it because it's really minor. I don't have to go anywhere. I can order all the Postmates I want without feeling bad about it. It's great. I hope I have long COVID. No, Chelsea. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I retract that statement. That was a joke, a joke that was in poor taste. However, what I find interesting about Omicron is it is the mildest of all of the variants thus far. And yet everyone is giving all of the passes. It's like, don't come into work. Don't worry about the projects. You just take care of yourself. I know people are acting like it's full-blown AIDS. Like it's, <laughs> it's really something. I feel a little bit of the same way with my, my grandfather dying, which by the way, thank you for people who've 
left voicemails and DM'd us giving their their condolences. But you also get, I've realized, such a such a pass from life. You do. I mean, what a lovely gift that he gave to you. How long does this ride out? Is it kind of like Happy New Year where it's like you, you, you get a week. You get a week of saying Happy New Year to people and then it's just the time has passed. Well, I think you have to just test negative and then you're done with it, right? Oh, for you. I meant the grandfather stuff. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you obviously have one thing on your mind. How long do you get? I'm sorry, honey. How long do you ride that out? Mm, a grandparent, I think you get like a month. Okay. Um, speaking of our beautiful callers, we really appreciate all the people who've called in to recommend various erotic male dance reviews to us. We've got a lot of calls about Thunder from Down Under, heard a lot of positive things. So maybe check that out if you're in Vegas. Do you dare go back to Vegas, Chell? I'd totally go back. I mean, they're worth it. Also, some people called in and asked what I thought of Katy Perry's show, and I think that it's major. Everyone should see it. And I'm not just saying that because she happens to employ my spouse. Like, the sets were incredible. The whole concept of the show is that she's a doll, so it's kind of like the Katy Perry version of Toy Story. And then she has so many bops. Like, it was fab. I know it looked incredible as I viewed it through Instagram stories. And we should say that's not where you got COVID. No, well, I know I didn't have it then because I had to be tested before we could go to the after party. But yeah, I don't know. I think I blame Magic Mike. This would have never happened at Thunder Down Under. No, it wouldn't. Shall we get into some new calls about and just like that? Let's do it. Hey, guys. Just calling because I just saw your Instagram story about Chris Note's final scene in the show being taken off, which, of course, I agree with. But does that mean we're not going to get to see Carrie go back to Paris? So, Chelsea, it would seem that the the Paris shoot with Chris Noth and Sarah Jessica Parker wasn't just a diversion. Or I guess it technically is because they're not going to use that footage. The Variety article that I read about this in said that what was originally planned was a sequence where she went to Paris to scatter his ashes off of a bridge. I forget which one, some famous French bridge. And he would come to her in some sort of dream sequence or something like that, which you could easily cut out, right? Unless he is behind her and physically helping her drop the ashes, which we didn't see in any of those paparazzi photos. I think they can easily cut that out. But a better question is, what is Big's relationship with Paris exactly? Like, shouldn't his ashes be buried over the balcony of like the 21 Club? Yeah, no, I agree. He went there for work once. Like, they went there that one time. She was there with Alexander Petrovsky. What was big? Chrysler building. Yeah. Should, shouldn't she be dumping his ashes off the Chrysler building? One would think, but maybe it's not as cinematic. I don't know. Actually, wait, that's bullshit. It totally would be. Well, anyway, we've got four more weeks until we see what this is. Hi, ladies. This is Amelia. Huge fan of the podcast. Just wanted to say there's absolutely no way that Charlotte is on the board of the Met Museum. Likely the Whitney, MoMA, if she's lucky, but the Met, as we all know, is the most prestigious cultural board in the known universe that you can be on. And you have to donate at least like $10 million, I think, annually to be on it. So there's no truth to this art? I mean, thank you, caller. I would never know about this. 
I did question it just because I don't think they have the money that it would take to like that's billionaire shit. I'm sorry. And if Harry does have that kind of money from his law firm, they are doing very bad things. They are representing the worst people. Well, also, if they have billionaire money, then Lily and Rock really deserve their own rooms, you know? Very true. Very true. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, Lauren. Uh, calling from Toronto, Canada. Um, love your podcast. Love everything about it. Um, just a couple of things I was thinking about. Che is actually a terrible boss. You know, they harassed Carrie in the elevator. They got high after a podcast at work. Um, she's recovering on opioids and they bring her Hila and then also want to bang Miranda while Carrie's still recovering. I don't know. There's just something about giving a character a pass because they might be diverse, but actually they're kind of terrible and we wouldn't even qualify that or quantify that or give that the time of the day if Che were a man. Hard agree. Not very boss-like behavior. I could never take this person seriously as my employer. To me, this person would be that friend that you only call when you want to party. And that friend is usually not the person you want to be above you. Absolutely not. I think in the world of And Just Like That, there is some sort of New York Magazine expose about the toxic work environment at Che's podcast. Empire? Show? Yeah, does Che own an, like a podcast network? Or is Che just a cog in the wheel of like some equivalent of, I don't know, what's a podcast network? You know about this shit. Wondery. Sure. I think Che is a cog in the wheel and maybe that's how they take their power back is like, I'm smoking weed in this elevator that takes 20 minutes to get down to the first floor. (laughs) Hey, this is um, Henry. And I honestly think a really good erotic fan fiction for Sex in the City would be Steve and the Sandwich Guy. Thank you to everyone that called in with bizarre pairings of people. Steve and the Sandwich Guy, wow. I mean, I think Steve would love to get a mouthful of a classic turkey sub. Extra mayo, please. I did think about how this scenario would go down, and I would like to think that the sandwich man is just outside of Steve's bar. Or maybe after being a a hot sandwich all day, he needs to uh, have a drink at Scout. For sure. I'd love to see him just rock up to the bar in his foam outfit. And Steve feeds him a shot through that. (laughs) That little net, like, fencing mask thing that covers his face. Hot. So shall we get into the app? Let's do it. I take back all the shit that I have said in previous episodes. Really? Kind of. This was, to me, like the first good episode we've had. (laughs) Like the first episode that has felt like the old series progressed, you know, the characters over 20 years. Right. I mean, to me, that the last episode gave me that. But this one I enjoyed as well. So it kicks off with Carrie and... Anthony in the most like well-lit apartment I've ever seen. So this is very obviously a set that had either blue screen or green screen behind it. And I can't imagine how actors focus when it's like that. Totally. It's across the street from the Julian Schnabel Pink Palace, which is on 11th and West. Wait, how do you know where it is? What do you mean? Because you can see out the window and there's a pink building, which is very famously right, right. That building that I think Julian Schnabel lives in or painted or it's something like that. And I was like, oh, where is it? It has its own Wikipedia page, by the way. It's on 11th Street and West. And there's like moving downtown and there's moving off of the West Side Highway. 
Yeah, and he painted it like Baker Miller pink. Love that. An early adopter of that trend. Anthony wants Carrie to buy this apartment on the basis that it's Halston-esque. Although if it was truly Halston-esque, it would be carpeted and full of orchids. But, you know, that could be a great reno. And cocaine is hidden in the in the coffee table. Yeah. It's not really Halston-esque now, but it could be. I think part of the reason why Carrie didn't like this apartment is that she never furnished it. I was also going to say it's not very Halston-esque because Halston never lived downtown. Halston famously lived in Midtown. Midtown Queen. Yeah, I have a lot of like small logic notes about the the buying of the apartment, which we can get into in a little <laughs> bit, but... Of course you do, but but first we need to talk about that shot when Seema goes outside and it's like she is like in The Sims or something. Oh my god. I don't know if you watch Matrix Resurrections over the holidays, also available on HBO Max, but the CGI is like that level where it's like, surely you have money to do a better shot. Or like, just fucking find a balcony in New York. I know you could do it. They do it on succession. <laughs> you have to have succession money. It was a little odd, but whatever. We'll suspend our disbelief. One thing I really liked about this scene was Carrie's outfit, where she was wearing like these, it was a menswear look. She was wearing baggy trousers that were tucked into like a pair of knee-high boots in a way that felt very like Yves Saint Laurent, Lulu de la Falaise vibes, you know? Do you think that I need this look in 2022 i think you do i think it would look great on you and then we have the ladies together at dinner maybe the first time we've they've been at a dinner or maybe it's a lunch maybe they're only allowed to see each other during the day who knows yeah but literally nothing happens during this dinner like carrie's just like i hate this apartment but i bought it and they're just like well you can always drown yourself in the hudson it's a little bit more than that. I did feel like they were inspired by Oprah's Meghan Markle and Harry interview where it's like, am I living or am I retreating? <laughs> totally. I think if this episode is anything to go by, she's living, you know? No shame. I would agree. I think she just feels peer pressured to buy an apartment because she's made Seema go to 40, 46, 47. 46 apartments with her over three months. So that's what we learned she's been doing since she's repaired her hip. Well, Seema should know that Carrie likes original moldings and things of that nature. Carrie's the kind of bitch that wants like a classic fireplace. Or is Carrie a secret modern dead tech enthusiast based on Big's funeral and this apartment? What is she hiding from us? It's true. Big's funeral and this apartment do have the exact same vibe. Because let's be honest, Carrie Bradshaw would have an apartment that would resemble Amy Sedaris's. In a perfect world, yes. Complete with like several rabbits. <laughs> Um, I did enjoy the dialogue between the women. Again, it felt very reminiscent of the original series when Carrie goes, look, Anthony, he's already having sex with other men. And Miranda goes, yeah, I don't think that ever stopped. Well, yeah, it didn't. The second movie told us that. Okay, guys, so today is a really beautiful day in our SpawnCon journey because I get to do an ad read for a company that I've actually been using for years, which is FrameBridge. For those of you who are unfamiliar, FrameBridge is a framing service that makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things. Whether it's an art print or a diploma or a photo that you've taken on your phone, you can FrameBridge just about anything. You know what I should FrameBridge, Lauren? What? That incredible creep shot that I took of Angelina Jolie at Gelson's a few years ago. Will you get one for me too? Totally. 
Framebridge also makes a great gift. Anyway, the process is very simple. You go to framebridge.com and upload a photo or you send them the dimensions of the thing that you want to frame and they send you a mailer with postage. So it's really, really easy. Then on the website, you can preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Then they frame it and mail it back to you. One thing that wasn't mentioned in the copy that they gave us that I want to note, which is how fast the turnaround is. Like once I sent them a Japanese poster for Rebecca, you know, the Hitchcock one, not to be confused with the um, Army Hammer remake. And it was literally back and framed in my apartment within the course of the week. Although tragically, I did lose that to a breakup. I'm so sorry for your loss, Chelsea. But on a lighter note, Framebridge is very affordable. The prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off of their first order at framebridge.com when you use the code OUTFIT. So visit their website today. You can frame your favorite creep shot of a celebrity or send someone the perfect gift. Use promo code OUTFIT to save an additional 15% off of your first order. Again, just go to framebridge.com and use promo code OUTFIT. For the Steve Brady's in the back, that is framebridge.com promo code OUTFIT. There's a very brief scene of Carrie back at her apartment reading. I think this is the most we've seen Carrie reading. And then she says to her apartment, this isn't healthy. But is it healthy to talk to your apartment out loud? And like, what's not healthy about this? She's under some like colorful mohair throw, cozy reading a book. Like it seems very healthy, actually. That's like the definition of self-care. Again, I think talking to an inanimate objects is the most dangerous thing happening. <laughs> So now Charlotte is hanging out in her kid's room. Did you notice the Safely hand soap? I did upon second viewing. I did not notice it the first time. But uh, yeah, we got a little shout out to Chris Jenner. And is Chrissy Teigen still allowed to be on, on the Safely masthead? No, after she was canceled, they just removed her from that brand entirely. Or at least from any sort of forward facing role. So we can safely assume that Lily stands the Kardashians. So she's officially off our shit list. She's one of us. I really liked the outfit that Charlotte was wearing in this scene too. To me, it was like like a very classic Gucci, like old school Gucci kind of look with the, the floral pussy bow blouse and the the red skirt that had what looked like some sort of horse bit detail. It was very like House of Gucci vibes. I was going to say this is a costume that could have been used in House of Gucci, but was not. Easily. Um, Where do you think Charlotte's going? A med board meeting, perhaps? <laughs> She has a little briefcase, right? Yeah, she had some sort of bag. I forget what it was, though. So Rock is eating in bed. And tells her that her Madame Alexander doll collection is problematic. Did you ever have any of those, like, dolls of the world? No, I was an American Girl doll exclusively, but I feel like you are or you at least were a doll collector. Do you have any Madame Alexanders? No, I don't, I was never into that shit. I definitely had some Barbies that were like international Barbies, but I forget from which countries. I don't know. It was a long time ago, but I've let go of my dolls, but clearly Charlotte cannot let go of hers. They're vintage. They are pretty cute, to be honest. Anyway, this distressed Charlotte a lot. Also, Rock told her that they were going to cut their hair. Which, fine. I mean, I would have expected that. In my second viewing, I noticed that underneath the Madame Alexander dolls is a picture in a picture frame, which is yet another production still that they're just being like, no, someone 
pho- someone photographed this, and it's a photo of Harry, Charlotte, Carrie, and Samantha at Brady's first birthday. I think when they're Ew. all like reaching over the table when Brady blows his first candle out, I'm like, who took that photo? Magda. Also, we're six episodes in, no Magda reference. I know. Rest in power, Magda. I can't remember if I talked about this with you on or off the pod, but I am very much anticipating some sort of plot line where it's Rock's bar mitzvah, bot mitzvah, who knows? Person mitzvah. Yeah, but the synagogue is going to have some sort of problem with it. And then Charlotte's going to have to like really rise to the occasion and like advocate for her child. That's my guess. I love that. I'm going to be very sad when that doesn't actually happen. But I'll tell you what does happen is uh, Miranda's white void fantasy space. Love it. I guess now we should mention that Cynthia Nixon directed this episode. Right. Props. Throughout these fantasy sequences, one, I was very uncomfortable because, again, it's like... Because you hate queer people. This is well known. It's well established. No, there's something about it that feels like I'm watching my mother have sex or something. Well, she is our mom in a lot of ways, you know? But I'm like, what does this remind me of? And I was like, oh... This is exactly Nate Fisher singing I Just Want to Celebrate from the uh, series finale of Six Feet Under. It is. It it definitely has that vibe about it. Although I don't know about you, but all of my fantasies are just like in studio, you know? Just waiting for Peter Krause to just go buy on a dolly. (laughs) (sighs) No, what I would love if that fantasy happened and then Claire Fisher woke up and then got in her Prius and started listening to Brie... Uh, see us breathe me i guess i could just edit that together <laughs> you very easily could it, it would take less than a half an hour so she's she's having this fantasy wall in class right and then she's rudely interrupted by naya who wants to pick her brain again talking about like inappropriate power dynamics she's your professor which can i just say this is a minor note but like i get that miranda needed to change but why couldn't miranda be a law professor and naya is her friend no you're right i don't know that would be a more straightforward plot line for her for sure we don't really know what miranda is going to do with this degree work for a nonprofit. i don't know if you need a master's degree for that but anyway they they go and get coffee and naya tells her about some bitch called fertile myrtle who i definitely don't care about we also get a call from her husband which again we have yet to be introduced to this man but he's always around he's not he's always available in insert shots <laughs> so yeah they have a conversation that i don't really care about i just don't care about this plot line i don't care about the ivf i don't care about fertile myrtle don't care It's one ancillary character too many. I think part of my resistance to some of the new characters is that their plot lines are such a bummer, right? Because Naya's plot lines are all about IVF or Miranda's microaggressions. Seema, while fabulous, is very tied up with Carrie's like grief processing plot line, so it never really feels like fun. Che is Che, and... The fabulous LTW is not in this episode, so what can we do? Obviously, MPK hasn't been watching The Real Housewives. But I think part of the reason why we love LTW is that she is so fun and lighthearted and brings that to an otherwise like dire and depressing environment. Well, now the show is fun again, so maybe she can come back. <laughs> 
So Seema and Carrie go to Seema Soho, where they try on traditional Indian garb. I only want to mention this scene because how psyched do you think Michael Petra King was when he discovered that cultural appreciation was a thing? Yeah, totally. I mean, and as we know, Carrie does have cultural appreciation. Some would say appropriation with certain things that she's worn in the past. But, you know, I get it in this instance. Like, I would I would love to wear a sari. But I don't know if that's the correct vibe for me. I don't know if anyone wants that. But the clothing is certainly beautiful. Yeah, it certainly wasn't correct when I wore a bindi at the age of 11 because I saw Gwen Stefani wearing a bindi. Gwen Stefani got to a lot of us. I mean, I I also had, um, what's it called? A henna tattoo? Yeah, I also had henna. Look, I think what we're learning between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation is context. Exactly. But Harajuku girls are never okay. (laughs) No, they're not. So now we're in Carrie's storage unit, which is bigger than any apartment that I ever had in New York. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is this a thing? Have I just been not going to the right storage units? This is... I can't even imagine how much this storage unit would cost. But again, Carrie's rich, which is kind of something that isn't really talked about, but is very obvious when it comes to her real estate plotline anyway. Yeah, Carrie's not just rich, she's wealthy. So I find it interesting that they have not made a bigger point about this, especially because they want to deal with issues more. Totally. I think the classism of these women would be a great uh, thing to reflect on. But alas, no. Carrie and her $20,000 a month storage unit persists. Yeah, she's also wearing the Gucci hourglass bag again. She's in a crazy ass hat. And she finds Mr. Big's records very sad. But like the thing I don't understand is that like when you're packing up shit like that, like at least when I'm putting something I absolutely do not want to open in a storage unit, I literally write on the box like never open this. I kind of got the sense that she hired those movers where it's like, or Miranda or Charlotte hired for her. The like, you just go to your apartment. We're going to have these guys pack everything up and you don't have to look at anything. Oh, you're right. She's ultra wealthy. I have to do that kind of shit, but not Carrie. So she only takes this space age, like Werner Panton-esque lamp and her favorite sun hat, which what did you think of the hat? I mean, I love a hat and I think it looks incredible in the previous outfit, but it's like, what's that? I mean, it said as if like, we all know Carrie loves a sun hat. Well, it's also, it's kind of like Anne of Green Gables on steroids or like something that someone would have worn to Oprah's Legends Ball. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I do. When it's paired with the outfit of her cooking in the apartment the next day, which is an outfit I am obsessed with. I mean, it's a grayish slip, which you know how I feel about grayish. Yeah, it's very sheer. Like you can see her legs and her it's like her body is insane. I actually really liked this look. Oh my God. I want to recreate this look. The vintage yellow jacket, the giant hat. I noticed the second time I watched it because I thought she was making eggs for herself. I believe we're supposed to understand she's making the same dinner that she made with Big that first episode, except now she's only cooking it for one. Bitch, it's called leftovers. What are you eating for lunch tomorrow? Said like someone that finally learned how to cook during the pandemic. (laughs) And now the telltale heart shit starts. There's a beep and she can't find where it's coming from. Yeah, which is the old apartment so old that she doesn't have smoke detectors because that is what that beep is. I mean, is it though? Do we ever find out what the beep is? No, which also made me feel insane. But I love how Anthony's like, everyone knows it's the dishwasher. It's like, the dishwasher never makes noises. Yeah, my dishwasher is silent. 
unless it's time for it to make the noise to tell you that the dishes are done. But also, they're kind of not done because they're so scarily hot. (laughs) So true. So then Anthony forces Carrie to go with him to his facelift consultation. Because when he and Stanford were together, they made his and his facelift consultations, which I'm like, yes, this is the type of insanity I want from this show. The funny thing about this scene is that we as an audience have to suspend our disbelief and pretend like neither of these people have gotten Botox. I don't know if Sarah Jessica Parker has gotten Botox, to be honest with you. I think she's gotten a little bit, but she's done the correct thing and just kept her forehead normal so it doesn't look like she's had Botox. Or she's done the thing that I would do as an actress, which is time out my Botox so that I can move my forehead when I'm supposed to shoot something. Exactly. But yeah, Anthony wants a facelift because he doesn't want to be a daddy. He's not ready, which kind of isn't true because he is a daddy because he has a literal harem of like hot young guys that work for him. Yeah, it doesn't exactly track. Also, they both have like the tightest jawlines and non-jowly necks. But uh, sure, I'm this storyline does make sense. It's fine. <laughs> we do have a, an interlude between these two things where it's the Nia Wallace dinner, which it it feels like we're in a different show. It's a show I like. It's a show I would watch. But yeah, I mean, again, just don't care about this IVF fertility journey. Not saying that I know that it's a, it's a relatable one for a lot of people and potentially some of our listeners not trying to negate that, but just don't care about how it's handled in the show. Plus, they already kind of did it with Charlotte. And we have such little time with the three actresses that we love that we came here to watch the show. It like it feels a little indulgent to have a whole scene that doesn't have the main three characters in it. It totally does. And it's also, might I just say, at the expense of Charlotte's plot lines, right? Because the plot lines that Charlotte gets are the non-binary child and her friendship with LTW, which isn't really so much of a plot as just something that happens. Unless this is leading to Miranda is going to be Nia Wallace's surrogate. (laughs) Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah, me neither. And then we get a graphic sex scene with Nia Wallace because I guess this actress was like, look, I'm willing to have sex on top. I know all these other actresses are out. They're like, we did this for six years. I'm willing to get on top of a man and be topless for a sex scene. I'm glad that someone's having sex, you know, not mad at that. Well, I mean, Miranda's having sex just with herself. Right. She's just like going at it with that vibrator and and talking to Brady, who's in the other room, which I thought was a fun throwback to the mommy's coming bit from whatever season that was when Brady was a baby. Do you not know what I'm talking about? Like she's Robert. No, she's fucking that guy who I believe she concealed that she had a child from. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That guy. And then they're having sex and the baby's crying in the other room. And she's like, mommy's coming. Anyway, that happened again in this episode. So the day has come. Anthony and Carrie are in a consultation office with Dr. Jonathan Groff as the plastic surgeon. (laughs) A.K.A. uh, the king from Hamilton. A.K.A. what's his name from Mindhunter? Give me season three, David Fincher. Um, He's really charismatic. 
He's very charismatic. Cynthia Nixon did a post today where she said that she, when she read that character, she thought of Jonathan Groff. So. No, I love it. I mean, he does have that look that plastic surgeons do when you are in consultations where they don't look at you like a human being. And it's one of the most disconcerting experiences (laughs) you can have in life. Well, you know, clearly he's good. I mean, as Anthony says, his patients look like men, not like mall elves, which I thought was a really funny line, especially as I live in a neighborhood that is brimming with mall elves. Also... As per your recommendation, Lauren, I started watching The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and I couldn't help but notice the mall elf son in this show. Also, you're completely right. Like, everyone does look like a female wrestler. <laughs> like, I was watching it, I was, and I was like, oh, this woman looks like China. Jen Shaw, yeah. <laughs> I think this episode's really hit its stride. I think the dialogue really sings. Like when Jonathan Groff's character says, she's 22 and went to Oberlin, so there's nothing I can do without risking a lawsuit. (laughs) I think it works with the world of Sex and the City and kind of what they're trying to go for, which is I think them railing against woke culture a bit in the way that people in their 50s would, in the way that at times you and I would, I think is far more realistic than what they were trying to do in the earlier episodes, personally. Totally. God, yeah, I hope we're not like slowly turning into Bill Maher. You know, Chell, it feels good to finally be back in LA, but you know what didn't feel so great was to return home to an empty fridge. Then it's a good thing that we got our HelloFresh boxes. Exactly. HelloFresh is America's number one meal delivery kit, bringing farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes to your door. And who doesn't love a low-prep meal ready in 30 minutes or less? Oh yeah, I love that. Who has time to cook? And my other favorite thing about HelloFresh is that they have dessert. Like that's a rarity in meal kit culture. What I love about HelloFresh is how easy and flexible it is to use. Go online or use the app to change your delivery day, food preference, or even skip a week. This week I was feeling like having meat, so I selected the meat and veggies plan. Chelsea, did you know that they offer garlic herb butter steak and lobster tails? Like what other meal delivery kit offers surf and turf? I've never seen it. And who doesn't love a classic surf and turf? Well, apart from vegetarians. But thankfully, vegetarians have other delicious options with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Outfit16 and use code Outfit16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. And for the burgers in the back, that was HelloFresh.com slash Outfit16 and you use the code Outfit16. Another call that was left that I thought was very interesting was someone was pointing out the reason that they thought that they did not like and just like that was the difference between the structure of the original series and this. And the original series had a lot of themes. I mean, they were all network writers, so they took that experience into cable television. And this is very much just everyone has their own storyline. It's not really interconnected, but... Yeah, nothing's connected. Like, whereas in Sex and the City, there's an episode where it's all about, like, adolescence and Miranda has braces and Samantha has to throw the party for the teenage girls and, like, everyone has their own intertwining thematically similar plot lines. This is completely random. This feels like it was like a dartboard or something. Although I think this episode, while still very different from the original series, is the closest to each character in this episode is talking about the idea of you can't be who you were 15 years ago. 
the things that you like don't work, but Hey, there's some things that mean something to you and, and can stay. So that really hits hard in Carrie's storyline of like, I got to get a new place. I got to get a new face, Mm -hmm. which by the way, Sarah Jessica Parker has the tightest face and I'm not alluding to any work she has done. Like she has the most insane jawline. Yeah. Jawline is chiseled. What is she going to do with a facelift? Yeah. Where's the face going to go up to, but fine. I get it. I get it. It's, She's contemplating it. So this is where the picnic scene is. Miranda is annoyed about Carrie's consultation. Charlotte makes a case for Botox and fillers, as she should. And uh, Miranda admits that she's replaced drinking with, quote unquote, obsessive masturbation. Which, quite honestly, I felt like that could have gone on for a few more episodes. But as 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 many episodes as we got the compulsive drinking, if we could have gotten the compulsive, compulsive masturbating. masturbating, totally. And she's just like rushing, like Nia Wallace wants to, she's like, can I pick your brain about this? Uh, can yeah, I pick what your are bra- they trying to build? <laughs> I believe it's a shelter in Greenpoint. I think that's what it was. But she's like, hold on, hold on. She's like rushing to the bathroom and ferociously masturbating. (laughs) Yeah, I would like to see more ferocious masturbating. It's much more comedic than the alcoholic plot line. This is what made me enjoy this episode is this scene felt so familiar to the original series. I mean, this is almost a beat for beat argument between Miranda and Charlotte, like uh, when Miranda has to reveal that she's pregnant when Charlotte can't get pregnant. Right. He only has one ball. It was genius. I mean, everyone killed it in this scene, but Charlotte in particular, I think, killed it in this scene because she was both like the comic relief and the antagonizer. Also, for the record, I think Carrie and Charlotte were completely horrendous to Miranda. Well, I like that Miranda's like, you're going to have a big reaction because I know that in the previous five episodes, we've acted like we don't know each other, but I'm now remembering what you're like and you're not going to react well to this. I mean, okay, back to the rudeness. I think. (laughs) Why do you think they're rude? I thought that was I mean, it's rude, but they're in character. They are in character, but I think that Miranda is basically just trying to tell them like, I'm having these thoughts about this person that I had sex with. And Carrie's response is basically like, this is disgusting. When she says it wasn't an affair, it was just a finger. Carrie's like, oh my God, I wish this was real wine. You know, it kind of harks back to the last episode where she was like, I don't know what I just saw in there. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like your best friend is having sex with someone in your house. But also there's an air of being grossed out by this that kind of reminded me of Carrie's contempt for Samantha when she caught her blowing the Worldwide Express guy. And I still to this day don't really understand what that's about. For me, I think what I enjoy about this scene is that while they are having a disagreement, their point of views are reflected in the characters that we've known for 20 years, which is, you know, Charlotte is always going to be on the side of tradition. I don't think she's mad at her friend or her behavior but it's just more that the that Miranda would disrespect the sanctity of marriage totally and she also did call out Carrie when she was like Carrie why are you trying to make this nothing this is something because Carrie is very much trying to brush off what is pretty much a cry for help Yes, and then Carrie remembered that her husband died and that kind of ends any kind of argument. So she's like, this is nothing because Big died. Yeah, it's like, uh, fuck you. <laughs> so I I literally just told you that I'm unhappy, that I hate my marriage. And now you're going to minimize this 
on a, one of the rare moments that I'm actually talking to someone about it, talking to my best friend specifically. Charlotte is always going to respond from a point of view that's individualized of like, I would never do this to Harry. How could you do this to Steve? And has an inability to see outside of herself. And Carrie just doesn't want the conversation to exist. I felt like no. it was the most Carrie thing. <laughs> she goes, you have nothing to say. And she goes, would you like cheese? I was like, that's my inappropriately pithy Carrie that I took so much of part of my personality from, which as you learn, you can't really do that in real life to people when they tell you harsh shit about their life. I loved the campiness of when Charlotte said, you're married to a man. Now suddenly you're having non-binary sex. <laughs> and then when Miranda's like, everything about them makes me feel alive. And Charlotte's like, there are others. Yes, that felt very in the world of like, okay, if you're going to tackle the world we're in today and you want to be funny about it, like that's the way to, to go about it. But it's an obvious joke. Like it's the most obvious joke about they, them pronouns, but in the world of Charlotte, it, it makes sense and is, is highly realistic. Although in the timeline, wouldn't Charlotte have researched about rock and known about they, them pronouns by now? She knows about they, them pronouns, but she, you know, you just hear things differently. I don't think it speaks to necessarily her indifference towards her child it's just like she's not used to this she's retraining herself she's grappling with this clearly i felt like the real mic drop line to harken back to episode one is when charlotte looks at miranda and says you're not progressive enough for this and i was like oh i mean true but also like wow yeah that was amazing amazingly bitchy She's correct. She's not correct. She doesn't even know Miranda, clearly. I mean, and then Miranda correctly tries to remove herself from the situation, but she can't because her leg is asleep. It's like, why? Is that an aging thing too? I mean, it's a minor thing, but that was a weird thing because you could have Carrie run after Miranda anyway and be like, I lost Samantha. I'm not going to lose you, which is like, it's just an argument. But I guess with Samantha leaving out of the blue. Well, it's also like, calm down, bitch. I'm not leaving the group for good. You guys have just been incredibly offensive to my face. So I'm just taking some time. I think it would have been fine if Miranda stormed away and maybe said a line. Also, the you should have just dyed your hair felt like a low blow. What if she had dyed her hair? She wouldn't have cheated on Steve. Charlotte supposes that Miranda only did this because she's having a midlife crisis, which might be true. Do you think when Steve finds out, Steve's going to be like, are we kind of even for me cheating on you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wonder. We don't have that many episodes left. I wonder when Steve is going to come into the equation. And I wonder if they're just going to be one of those couples that don't get divorced and just open up their relationship. I mean, I, I hope not. I can't deal with like a sad geriatric Miranda and Steve polyamorous plot line. I just I don't have that in me. I think it would be one thing if Charlotte and Harry were like hot swingers. Yeah, we did think that storyline was going to happen. But not to have it come from a place in their marriage that is like sad. Anyway, so Charlotte finally breaks and is like, what's so wrong with people staying who they were? To which Carrie responds, some of us don't have that luxury. Yeah, I'm just going to get it in as much as possible. I don't know if you guys forgot, but my husband died. <laughs> But it seems like that resonated with Charlotte since she brought Mr. Big back into it. 
then we've got uh, Seema. Right. We meet the parents. The dad being the bus boy that Samantha made out with in season two when she got stood up for a date. Yeah. So are we supposed to believe that that's Seema's father or there's just one Indian actor in New York City of a certain age? I guess. What even happens in that scene? Oh, so basically Seema's been lying to her parents and saying that she has a boyfriend. Don't really care about this, but it happened. Yeah. I t- <laughs> His name's Dennis. Who cares? Let's move on, I guess. When I saw that scene in the preview for this episode last week that was like, the jig is up. I was like, oh, they're going to think that Carrie, Seema's girlfriend, is like, nope. She just got a fake Doctor Without Borders boyfriend, which, by the way, ingenious lie. Yeah, totally. So in the car ride on the way home, Carrie confides that she hates the new apartment and Seema's like, okay, we'll sell it. Okay, can I now get into the lack of logic of the buying of this apartment? Sure. Wouldn't escrow be at least 30 days? I like how you're asking me like I have any idea about any of this shit. Somehow she purchases the apartment and is moved in the next day as if it's a rental. Let's just suspend our disbelief with that one. Anyway, like in the series finale, Carrie yet again finds herself by putting on the Carrie necklace. She whips out that blood, sweat, and tears record. I also saw Linda Ronstadt. She's listening to records. Charlotte is pictured packing away the Madame Alexander dolls. And Rambo finally slides into Che Diaz's DMs. Okay, so we're supposed to understand that Miranda has Instagram? I guess. So Miranda has Instagram, knows how to DM, doesn't believe it, or listen to podcasts. Okay. Whatever. We just have to get past this. She listens to podcasts now, but just X, Y, and me, I guess. And Carrie puts on a really fabulous outfit. She's opening up some of the boxes, which all of the boxes from the storage unit cannot possibly fit in this apartment. So I'm sure it was a select few, one of which being Mr. Big's dress jackets. And she puts on one so that he can always be with her. And also she's a fan of an oversized men's blazer anyway. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is the most quintessentially Carrie outfit that we've seen since the series wrapped. I don't think we ever really got here in either of the films because it's so many of her signature things in one look. It's the 50s prom dress. It's the rosettes. It's the pairing something like that with an opposite garment, right? Like the tuxedo jacket. It's the pearls, the carry necklace, and the hair, which we haven't talked about yet. The hair, which blessed be, is curly again. Thank God. I love it. I wish it was always curly. I think she looks so good with it. To me, this has the best outfits, and I don't know if it's because Carrie has returned to herself, and so she's dressing more like Carrie from the series, or we didn't see any of these in paparazzi photos, and so that makes it even more exciting. No, it has the best Carrie outfits, I would say, because another one we didn't talk about was the suit that she wore to the picnic and the consultation, surgery consultation, which was also great. Definitely the strongest looks for her overall and the most like extreme ones like the hat may not be everyone's taste. At least it has that outrageous factor that certain outfits from the original series had that I think 
is fun, whether or not you like the outfit or not. What was the end just like that for this episode? And just like that, I learned that the last 15 years weren't so bad or whatever. It How was. great the last 15 years were or something. And I don't want to have it lasered off my face. Anyway, she's not getting a half facelift or whatever he was trying to sell her. It ended on an optimistic note, which was nice. This is like much better than in just like that big died much better than in just like that. I learned how long five hours can be. So maybe Carrie's done with her grieving now. I mean, as some callers would say, she never grieved to begin with. (sighs) Anyway, we'll see what happens next week. Hopefully we can do this in person and we're going to have a very special guest next week. Yes, our dear friend Dan Clay, Carrie Dragshaw, will be joining us. So we hope you'll tune in. Until next week, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.